But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Romans 8, verse 25, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please bless me as I preach to proclaim your word truthfully and usefully for your holy people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope for what we do not see. It's a good reminder that our Christian belief, our life in Christ now, is an investment in the present for a payoff in the future. That we're so inclined, so many aspects of our life in today's world um, habituate, habituate us to be looking for the payoff in the present. I um, couldn't help but think of that wonderful little bit by Jim Gaffigan where he talks about how fast food has ruined his expectations of time and how he goes to a regular restaurant and says, um, I'd like a burger, where is it? Just this immediate. <laughs> Romans 8 is clear. We do not yet see what God has promised which is actually all the things mentioned in this passage, which really begins in Romans 7 through to this uh, passage that we just heard. All of, the, all of the broken things that we find ourselves trapped in the midst of. Our own crooked wills that we still bear with, so quickly and frequently inclining towards sin and self. Our own corrupt desires constantly alluring us to chase after falsehoods. Our decaying bodies racked with sickness, pain, disease, mental illness. All of creation, St. Paul tells us, is groaning under this pain, creaking and aching in the, the weight of this subjugation to corruption. The whole cosmos, in fact, every rock, every river, every ant, every fish, is literally dying for the great day to come, the day when Jesus comes back. When all creation, in the words of Romans 8.21, will be set free, liberated, emancipated, as a consequence of the redeemed receiving the resurrection of the body. That God who has placed us human beings at the top of visible creation, right? above animals and inanimate nature, our redemption catalyzes the setting free of the rest of creation. I think we have wonderful pictures for this, like in the Narnia books. Um, and other, I suppose, the best of fantasy, when all of creation is made well, when we are made well. That's what's meant by um, that slightly cryptic phrase, the revealing of the sons of God. That's a synonym for what we see uh, described again as our adoption. But to be clear, it's not our initial adoption. It's the finalizing of our adoption. It's a useful picture in the way that adoption is a process, right? We are already, to so to speak, adopted by God. We've already been forgiven. We've already received the Holy Spirit, the seal of adoption. Sometimes you could translate also the down payment for this process. But the finalizing of the process is when we're raised from the dead for eternal life, when we are glorified. Romans says we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, the finalizing of our adoption. We're waiting for that. And the word waiting here is um, a slight under-translation of the Greek word. 
You know, languages touched together with a tiny little bit of slippage here and there. Thankfully, Greek and English are so similar that basically everything translates one to one. But here the word certainly carries um, a sense of not waiting sort of idly, but waiting eagerly, waiting with anticipation, waiting expectantly, as implied by the idea of groaning. So we are enjoined to wait eagerly. I think that's a more uh, fully capturing translation. We wait eagerly with patience, which is an intentional presentation of a paradox, or that those two things actually sort of jar against each other, right? Waiting eagerly with patience. Before I look to try and um, unpack how those harmonize together, I actually think that we don't always readily meet even the premise. Are we waiting eagerly? I think that um, the part of our hearts that would groan under the weight, the agony of, of the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of our own souls, a lot of the time, my experience is that we actually numb that part. We don't even experience the first part of those sort of waiting expectantly, the groaning. We don't often feel the existential ache of longing for God to bring immortality to reality. And I think the biggest culprit um, really is right here. Right? But we have had waiting as a category virtually eliminated from daily life. We have an instant thing to sort of for, uh, to invite distraction. I am. Um, a couple of years ago, I was talking to an actor, prof- uh, a friend of mine who's a professor of acting, and he said um, one of the strange things about teaching the current generation of acting students is there's two things they have no idea how to do, no category, no instinct for whatsoever. The first is waiting, right? And there's, when it says in the scene, like, oh, wait for the bus, they like literally don't know what to do without a phone. Like, what does waiting look like? They need instruction. And the other, just as a curious footnote, is flirting. It says that the flirting has sort of vanished as a category. Anyways, that's an aside. But waiting, we've, um, we're not good at it. Humans never were, but we're especially bad now. And then when we do actually feel the ache, we can be so quick to reach for some numbing thing. Right? Alcohol, um, too much TV, all, all manner of thing. So as a precondition to receiving the truth of Romans 8.25, waiting with patience, we need to prune back some of the numbing and the distracting things that we reach through, at least a little bit. Not totally. I'm not saying, you know, it's not a, I'm not preaching right now we should all be Luddites, although that may be a truth. We need to prune it back a little bit to experience that longing, that groaning, and the, and the pain of it. Lord, these things are not right. I wish you'd make them better. And once we are there, experiencing that waiting expectantly, eyes on God, then to add in, as Romans says, with the patience. Patience at how long it's taking. Patience with the pain in the meantime. Patience that resigns yourself to God's perfect will with meekness. And as with all of the paradoxes of the Christian life, it's a narrow path, right? There's a fall off on either side. If we wait eagerly, if we get that bit right, but without patience, it leads actually to spiritual burnout. 
That sense of, oh, I'm worn out waiting and asking. If we have plenty of patience, but we don't have that expectant, eager waiting, we reduce our Christian relationship with God into just a mere fatalism. Yeah, 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 patience, okay, yeah. As the Lord wills. We need both. Patience and waiting. Um, uh, a visual that came to mind in thinking about how do those things synthesize together is um, a phrase I'm sure I've preached before and I apologize for the repetition, but I find it so useful. Um, I've never done a day of martial arts in my life, but apparently a principle of Kung Fu um, is relaxed readiness. That you're relaxed, but you're ready. Thinking physically sort of helps my conceive of this abstract idea. You're ready, but you're relaxed, right? You're not, you're not ready, you're, you're ready. I don't even know how to put my hands for Kung Fu, but it. Um, relaxed and ready, waiting, but patient, right? Patient, but still waiting eagerly. When we, um, this twin virtue of patience and eager expectation really manifests in our life of prayer, specifically our petitions and intercessions to God. To have enough eagerness to be asking for things, right? God, please, please fix this. But to have enough patience to wait for however long it takes for that prayer to be answered. And this is true for the biggest cosmic needs of our decaying universe and the most subjective, smallest, most personal thing in our lives, all of which are encompassed when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come at every level. So whether it's your petitions for the ending of a destructive sin that you see the witness of or or in your own life, for prayers for the remedy to sickness, for yourself, for a loved one, prayers for a lost friend who's turned their back on Christ, prayers for a church building of our own someday, prayers for rescue from that sin that we've fallen into again for the 70th time. And all of these things that the words of Romans 8.25 sink in with my translation of the eagerly. Wait eagerly with patience. Amen.